Imagine a beautiful, delicate, and strong net that goes on forever in every direction. A glittering jewel hangs at each cross point of that net, jewels sparkling like stars in the vastness of space. This ancient Buddhist and Hindu legend shows us the complicated connection between the individual and the community, the jewels and the net. This same idea is expressed in our Unitarian Universalist tradition by the bookends of our seven principles. In our first principle, we affirm and promote the inherent dignity and worth of all humans. In our seventh principle, we affirm and promote the interconnected web of all existence of which we are a part, the jewels supported in the net. One way to understand our seven principles is that our first and seventh principle lay out the foundation of our denomination. We are individuals in relationship and in community. The other five principles in between name the ways that we will be together, grounded in justice, equity, and compassion, accepting of one another and encouraging spiritual growth, affirming the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, supporting the right of conscience and democracy, and working toward peace, liberty, and justice for all. One of the tensions in our religious history has been the push and pull between individuals and communities. Religious liberals like Unitarians and Universalists have historically tended to fall on the side of the individual rather than community. We value personal freedom, reason, self-awareness, and personal experience as the basis for our beliefs and values. We may see religion as an opportunity for individual spiritual growth and not necessarily as part of a larger movement. We often come to church with a longing for community, yet we may not be able to fulfill that longing because we are afraid of losing ourselves. Our seventh principle, the interconnected web of existence is important because it balances the first principle about the inherent worth and dignity of individuals. Our theology tells us that we need both. There is a story in Buddhism that says that one day Ananda, the Buddha's cousin and close associate, was feeling very inspired by his fellow disciples. And he commented that friendship and companionship must be at least half of what the path or practice or holy life is all about. And the Buddha responded, I don't say that, Ananda. It's not half. Admirable friendship, companionship, and camaraderie is the whole of the path. Our religious traditions tell us that we need each other. Modern science tells us the same thing. Biology, psychology, and evolution show us that the individual and community work together to form a person. We used to wonder, are humans a product of their genes or of their environment? 
And now we know that it is both nature and nurture. Humans and other organisms, for that matter, develop in relationship to their environment. It is in relationship that we define who we are and who we are not. This is the paradox of being human. It is in relationship that we become individuals. The science tells us that we need each other. Along with being connected to each other now, we are connected to our past, our history, and we are connected to what comes next, our future. In a way, human experience is like a stream, or rather many streams flowing together. We have a personal history. We have a global history. We have a denominational history that informs who we are today. Our biology and history tell us that we need each other. The tension between wanting to be separate and wanting to be close is within us, and we want both. Our individual health and well-being and the contributions we make to community are determined by how well we balance these competing needs. Being too distant from others can cause us to be uncaring. Being too close can cause us to lose ourselves. We want to be connected individuals. We want to know that we are jewels in a vast and wondrous net. We are individuals in relationship, and we need each other. I know that Unitarian Universalists don't talk a lot about sin. That's perhaps a sermon for another day. I'll just say that in my book, sin has to do with disconnection. When we ignore, deny, distort, or seek to destroy the connections between us, all of those actions lead to violence and injustice. We are connected whether we acknowledge it or not. In order for all of us to thrive, we must strengthen those connections so that we may strengthen ourselves, each other, and the interdependent web. Many people come to church to find community. People also come seeking answers to those big questions of life. Questions like, who am I? What do I believe? Where do I belong? What is my purpose in life? Quaker teacher Douglas Steer says this, the ancient question, who am I, inevitably leads to a deeper one, whose am I? Because there is not identity outside of relationship. You cannot be a person by yourself. To ask whose am I is to extend the question far beyond the little self-absorbed self and wonder who needs you? Who loves you? To whom are you accountable? To whom do you answer? Whose life is altered by your choices? Whose lives is your own life all bound up with inextricably in obvious or invisible ways? Whose are you? Our interdependent web tells us that we are all connected to each other and to everything that is. 
Some call that everything, the world or the universe. Some call it all that is. Some call it God or the divine. No matter what you call it, we are all in it together. This is a big responsibility. If we are all connected and what we do affects everyone and everything in the net, how do we decide how to be and how to act? How do we answer one of the most important theological questions of our time? How will we be together? be together. As Unitarian Universalists, we build our relationships based on covenant. Our history of covenant is a long one that goes back to 1648. The Cambridge platform of that year describes how churches in the New England colonies would operate, basing it on promises between people rather than rules from church officials. It was freedom from those oppressive rules that the colonists were fleeing in the first place. We could have rules or laws that define who we are. Some religions do. Some traditions say that you have to believe certain things or do certain things in order to be part of that group. You use don't tell each other what to believe or how to act. We make agreements or promises to each other about how we will be together. We make covenants. UU Minister Preston Moore says that a covenant is a matter of love rather than a matter of law. This congregation has a covenant. I was happy to hear that you are in the process of revisiting that agreement. Covenants are living things. They don't mean much if they are just words that no one remembers or uses. The Cambridge Platform of 1648 says that, quote, true covenant must be lived out, not simply professed. In other words, we have to walk our talk. Our Unitarian ancestors knew this important truth. Covenants also don't mean much if they don't recognize that agreements are sometimes broken and that we need a way to return to right relationship. UU theologian James Luther Adams said, we are a covenant-making, covenant-breaking people. The Olympia UU Congregation's covenant says this, because we recognize that conflict is normal, 
We promise to speak with each other directly and honestly from a position of respect, kindness, and love, recognizing that to do so, there will be times when we need to seek counsel from the community. Now, there's a lot contained in those words, and it's only part of the covenant. There's a promise made to speak directly, to be honest, kind, and loving, and to get help when needed. What I noticed is that there's an awareness that conflict is normal. This truth isn't something we like to admit very often, and we go to great lengths to avoid it. We avoid our own feelings. We avoid the feelings of others. We avoid hard conversations, even when we know that avoiding isn't exactly the right thing to do. How will we be together? It's easy to be together when things are comfortable, when there's a sense of ease and connection. And we rejoice in those times because it is wonderful and to be celebrated and relished. Our covenant is tested when we are disappointed and when our hearts are broken. How will we be together then? Because it will happen. For some of us, our hearts are broken daily when we read the news. Some of us are disappointed regularly by dreams unfulfilled, by goals that seem unachievable, by justice that is too slow, or change that is too fast. We are disappointed in the world, in other people, and ourselves. As we have spent this last week together getting to know each other, I have been aware of one truth of ministry. If I am your settled minister, I will disappoint you. We've spent a whole week together. It's likely that I already have. <laughs> and although I would never wish to disappoint you, I am human and so I am imperfect. There will be times when I am distracted and not listening as well as I could, unsettled and not as articulate as I'd like to be. I regularly disappoint me. There will be times when I'm not all that you would wish for, and there will be times when we will disagree. What I am most concerned about isn't that we will be disappointed, it's how we will be together when we are. If I am your minister, my hope would be that by creating a covenant together, we all promise each other a way back into right relationship when we mess up, because we will. UU Minister Ann Mason says this, to seek the truth in love means that even when we stumble, we continue to love. Even when we flail, we stay in relationship. To seek truth in love means that we talk about the hard things rather than denying that things can be hard. This can be a difficult task. It is not something that I have found easy to do but it is something that I continue to try to be brave enough to do. Being in relationship and staying in relationship requires courage. In our culture, we are taught that being brave means putting on our armor to protect ourselves from something dangerous. Social worker and researcher Brene Brown teaches us 
that the foundation of courage isn't putting on our armor. It's taking off our armor. Brown says this, the root of the word courage is core, the Latin word for heart. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage meant to speak one's mind by telling all of one's heart. The foundation of courage is vulnerability. In order to be brave, we have to be both flexible and strong. We have to be flexible enough to navigate uncertainty and risk and strong enough to continue to open our hearts even when they are broken and even when we know they will be broken again. It also requires courage to hold on to hope. When our hearts are broken, it is easy to despair. When we are disappointed, it is easy to move away from others and lose trust. It takes courage to reopen our hearts. It takes even more courage to believe that things can be better than they are now. It takes courage to hold on to hope. One of my favorite quotes about hope is this. Hope has two lovely daughters, anger and courage. Anger so that what must not be will not be, and courage so that what must be will be. So I want to see us be brave. I want to see us be brave as a nation, brave enough to own our history and to understand how it affects who we are today, brave enough to recognize the ways that we are different and disagree and to find a way to celebrate the beauty of diversity, brave enough to live into the democratic ideals that our country was founded on, that we may all all benefit from the peace that comes from justice. I want to see us be brave as a denomination, brave enough to know where we have come from and to understand how that has kept some from being welcome here, brave enough to join with others, even whose beliefs we don't share, to work for justice for all, brave enough to declare our principles and values in the public square with our words and our deeds. Brave enough to hold on to hope. I want to see us be brave as congregations, brave enough to reveal our true colors, brave enough to live into our principles, brave enough to practice living in covenant where we fail, learn, and try again. I want to see us be brave, brave enough to make sure that everyone, everyone, is a glittering jewel in our vast and wondrous net. May we be strong and flexible. May we keep our hearts open and hold on to hope. May we seek truth in love. May it be so. Let us hold a moment of silence together.
May we know that we are brave enough to be who we truly are. May we know that we are all connected and we are stronger together. May we know that love always holds us in a vast and wondrous net. May this be so. Blessed be. Amen.